This is an interview on September 7th, 2020, with skeletal remains singer and guitarist Chris Monroy by Nick Perkel. Now, Chris, tell me about when you got your first guitar. Well, I, I come from uh, my brother. Uh, it was the one that kind of music. Um, you know, he's a guitar player, and he kind of, you know, I, there was always a lot, you know, guitars and, and different instruments, and you know, he played in bands. So there was always uh, that kind of stuff around when I was growing up. So um, I would always see them, but I don't think I, I like I, there was there was like I said there was always guitars around. You know, so um, I don't think I owned my like an actual guitar that belonged to me till like I don't know maybe till I was like maybe like 10 or 11, I want to say. I went to Mexico one uh, on vacation with my father and um, some of my friends that live over there, they were starting to like play guitar and um, I, I already knew some things because my brother would teach me stuff here and there. Nothing nothing serious, you know, um, just like a couple chords or, you know, like a Nirvana song or something like that. So when I got over there, I saw a few of my friends that lived out in Mexico, they were starting to like, uh, you know, get into music and play guitar and... Um, I kind of, like, when we would hang out, you know, because when we would go to vacation over three weeks, sometimes a month, um, so I'd hang out with them all the time, and they'd be playing guitar, and, you know, um, they were already starting to get pretty good, and I I only knew a few things. I'm like, yeah, my brother plays guitar, and I think the first time I actually bought a guitar, or my dad bought me a guitar, was in Mexico. I think we were, like, I think we bought it at a music store. I can't remember where we bought it, but it was, like, this really just really cheap acoustic, and... Um, that was the first time I actually bought, like, I had a guitar that belonged to me, but um, besides that, you know, there was always guitars laying around, you know, at home, because like I said, my brother would, you know, he's the one that kind of inspired me to, to pick up an instrument, but, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I must have been maybe like 10 or 11 when I, when I got my first, you know, guitar. I started playing very young, but it wasn't, I, like, I wasn't really serious about it. I didn't, I didn't start getting serious about it until, you know, I bought my own guitar, and then I started, like, taking music class in, I think it was middle school, yeah, middle school or something, I started, uh, you know, taking, like I said, music class or whatever, and that's when I kind of started getting really serious about it. Once I got into high school, that's when I was, like, spending 10 hours a day playing guitar and stuff, so, but, yeah, I think I was, like, 10 or 11, something like that, I'm not too sure. What kind of music education did you receive over the years, and have you taken private lessons? No, the only thing I've ever done was, uh, like the uh, music class in high school and middle school. But to be honest, when I was taking music class in middle school, I wasn't even playing uh, guitar or trombone or something. And then I moved to the drums for a bit. I did get one lesson from this dude, uh, Jeff Potts, who lives in, uh, he lives in LA now. Uh, he used to be in that band, um, Meltdown, who changed the name to Mantic Ritual. So I got one lesson from that dude once, because, uh, you know, he's a killer guitar player. This was back like, when I was playing in FBF, uh, I don't know, maybe 2010. And uh, so I got like one guitar lesson from that dude. But besides that, I never really, I never had any kind of lessons. It's all pretty much self-taught. You know, stuff that I learned from my brother and then, you know, stuff that I learned, I don't know, off the internet and YouTube and, you know, just learning songs that I, you know, that I liked and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I never really got any like professional guitar lessons or music lessons. I last spoke to you before Portland, Oregon's uh, Famine Fest in 2016. Later that year, you played the Asakusa Death Fest in Japan. Can you tell me about what that concert was like? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, that that fest, um, Asakusa was fucking awesome. That was our first time, you know, going to Japan, and um, yeah, it was fucking killer, dude. Uh, we had a great time. We did like I think we did three shows in Tokyo. Uh, we played the festival 
twice, and then we did like a secret show, I think, on Halloween. Or it might have been, yeah, I think it was on Halloween. Yeah, man, that that was fucking awesome. You know, we had a great time. We we had, we were there for I think three or four days. Great, we got a chance to like, you know, look around. We went we went out and partied for Halloween, and yeah, man, it was fucking amazing. I can't wait to go back there. We had we had time to go back out back out there this year, but some stuff happened and it didn't work out. But hopefully, we'll go back. We go back out there next year. But but yeah, man, that was that was an awesome festival. And, an amazing country to play, man. Those, those fans are like, it was pretty surprising how many, we honestly didn't think we were going to be playing to any people at all, you know, but there were so many people. And um, to be honest, I think that's the most merch we've ever sold in one, like at a show. Um, obviously on a tour, it's there just in one single show for that festival. I think that's the most merch we've ever sold. So yeah, that was fucking awesome. We had, we had a great time. Now, did you get it to travel around Japan much and hit up any places to get like, New musical gear or any rare albums? Um, not that, not that time. I, I was there uh, a few years before that with FBF, and I got to uh, you know go to music shops and stuff like that. But this time when I went with Scalto, yeah, we didn't really, yeah, we didn't really have much time to like go around and find music stores. However, uh, we did get a chance to like you know uh, walk around and you know get some food and stuff like that, and then. For, on Halloween night, we went out and like party till like six in the morning, and yeah, that was pretty killer. But we we didn't really get to hit any like music stores or anything this time around. But but yeah, hopefully next time we get out there, we we have more time and we take more we have more days, uh, you know, to actually look around and stuff. Can you fill me in on your current lineup and Skeletal Remains? Yeah, sure. So um, right now it's me and Mike Delaho on guitar. Me and Mike were the ones that started the band back in 2011 or whatever. And um, after we, you know, we finished writing the demo, uh, he had to leave for some personal reasons, go out and start touring. You know, this band. When this band was started, it was supposed to be just a small side project, nothing serious. And things were starting to get serious. And he just, he didn't want to be a per, you know, we don't want to be that band member to hold the band back. So he decided to split. So recently, when we had the, the big lineup change, you know, Mike has always been around. Um, you know, uh, the band, and he's always been, you know, very, very supportive and stuff throughout the years. Like, you know, we've been, we went to high school together, so we kind of grew up together, and I've always kept in touch with him, and, you know, he's even helped out a few times to fill in for our old guitar player when, you know, he wasn't able to do shows or whatever, so. So he came back in the band, and then our bass player, Noah, was also someone who was, you know, kind of helping out here and there when uh, when our other guitar player was, Noah was actually a guitar player. He was he would fill in for our old guitar player, Adrian, when, um, when he wasn't able to do shows or like, for example, we did that revocation tour, um, last year. We, I think like we had a couple of dates in Canada and Adrian wasn't able to get into Canada because he had some stuff on his record. So Noah was filling in for, for guitar on that. And then halfway through that tour, our bass player couldn't finish the tour and Noah came in and helped finish, uh, you know, the tour on bass. So Noah has also been, you know, um, been in like kind of helping out with the band. So, um, that's our current lineup as of now. And then, um, we just got a uh, full-time drummer, Chris Williams, who we will be announcing on Friday. I'm sure once this, you know, once this goes live or you post this, uh, we we should have already have we should have we should have already announced him. But yeah, we'll, we'll be announcing him this Friday. So that's the current lineup as of as of now. Now, you released three digital singles for your new album. What does it mean to put out a single in 2020? And do you see any relevance to physical promotion now? And in the time right now, you know, everything's kind of like on social media and everything's done. Like, I think all the promotion is done, you know, through that, like digitally. I don't really, I mean, people are like bands release, you know, 
a single as in you know like a, a seven inch or something like that that's, that's really cool i really like stuff like that but but um yeah i think you know um i think just releasing the singles is, is a way to you know to give the people somewhat of a, an idea of what the album is going to sound like and you know kind of helps build up the hype and stuff like that so it's really cool you know um you know the three singles we released so far i think those were we we released those singles because we felt that those were kind of uh, a good introduction to what the rest of the record was going to sound like. So, so yeah, but yeah, I think it's important to, you know, to give, you know, fans some kind of taste of what your, you know, the record's going to sound like. So in February, 2018, you released planetary genocide on a flexi disc courtesy of Despo magazine. Tell me about that song. And also what was it like just releasing music on flexi disc? Uh, Decibel reached out to us. I think I can't remember. Yeah. Something like that. Anyways, they just asked if we had a song, you know, that, you know, that wasn't going to be on the record that we can use for the flexi and, um, planetary, uh, was one of the songs that we thought would be a cool, you know, cause the, the flexi came out before any single of that re- of devouring record. So we thought planetary would, like I said, would be a good introduction to what the new record was going to sound like. So that's the reason we picked that song. But, but yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, uh, it was the first time doing that and, Really, like really thankful that the decibel dudes hit us up for that and yeah man i think uh that thing sold out really quick and um i, I hear it's pretty rare to find now so um it was a very cool experience and hopefully we get to do it again um what was it like when you first okay. started working with recording engineer dan swano and can you tell me about like what kinds of things he said to each other uh when it came to both when it came to uh planetary genocide devouring mortality as well as entombment of chaos we picked him because we thought that, you know, I mean, obviously we were a big fan of he's been a part of and different albums he's also engineered or mixed and mastered. And so that was a big reason why we picked him. And, you know, he's been around since, you know, since since this genre was, you know, beginning. And, like, you know, he, he's been he's, he's been around since, you know, since the early days. So we thought that he would be a, a good choice because, you know, he would understand the band and he knows what we're going, he would understand what we're going for as far as the sound. So... So yeah, that's the reason why we picked him, and um, experience working with him has been nothing but great, you know. And that's the reason we used him again for this record because we were so, you know, we were so happy with the result of, of uh, you know, devour mortality that we, you know, we wanted to use him again. And we honestly, on this, re- I, I, I didn't expect this record to sound even better than Devour, and he made it sound even better. So um, yeah, he's he's just good at what he's done, at what he does, you know. And and uh, I feel like he understands the band and. He, he gets what we're trying to go for, you know, so, so yeah, that's definitely, he's, he's definitely, uh, you know, first choice when it came to trying to figure out who would like mix and, and master a record. For Devouring Mortality, that was your first release on a major label. Was there any sort of immediate changes that your band experienced, like access to better studios, new equipment, better tour opportunities, placement in more prominent music publications or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that all comes when, when you know, when you sign to a bigger label. I think you, all of those, those uh, obviously the promotion is a better reach compared to a smaller label. You know, a label like Century Media will have a big, way bigger reach. So things definitely, you know, it seemed like our our album was getting into more, it was getting to more people and like, you know, uh, more people were starting to discover the band. And I think that's why, you know, we've got, we've got the good opportunities for touring, stuff like that. And stuff like, you know, having a better budget when you record a record. When, you know, when we weren't on Century Media, when we were on uh, the last label, FDA, 
um, a lot of this, you know, most of the stuff that we were doing was coming out of pocket. You know, we were paying, uh, you know, the studio time to record a record, the artwork and all that stuff. That was pretty much all coming from our own personal money. So, you know, having a, being on a record label like, you know, Century Media, you know, you have a bigger budget and that's the reason why we have the opportunity to be able to work with Dan Solano, Dan Seeker for our artwork. And um, yeah, so things definitely get, you know, it definitely gets better being part of, you know, of a bigger label. But I mean, that also depends on what kind of deal you get, you know, but, but, you know, Century Media has treated us fucking amazing and we're very happy with, you know, the relationship that we built with them and part of, of, of that of a record label that has so many, you know, uh, legendary bands and bands that we look up to. Just wondering where you were at, like, what were your favorite albums to listen to while you were recording uh, Entombment of Chaos? While I was recording it, I don't really think I was listening too much because I was just focused on, you know, either trying to track things or uh, coming up with new ideas for solos, coming up with lyrics, trying to figure out vocal patterns. So I wasn't really, I don't think I was really listening too much. If I was, um, in the record and, you know, when I was writing the record, it's a lot of different things. They're not just death metal, different styles of music. I mean, I guess I can tell you what, like, when, when me and Mike were, you know, writing the record, there was definitely a lot of Morbid Angel being mixed, uh, you know, spin, like, uh, a lot of the layer stuff, you know, with Tucker, uh, like gateways, you know, formulas, stuff like that. And then, um, I don't know, there was a lot of different stuff. Uh, Dead Congregation was always, you know, spinning. Into, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the classic stuff, you know, Hades, the early Hades Eternal records, even the newest stuff. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of different stuff to be, I can't, I can't even remember, to be honest. But um, it was mostly when we were writing the records that, like, you know, I I was listening to a lot of music, but we were actually recording. There was I don't really think there was much being spent. I was just more focused on, you know, trying to figure out stuff for the, you know, the actual record. Um, and if I was spinning stuff, it wasn't anything that was death metal. It was probably, you know, some indie stuff, you know, or um, some, like, raw, like, uh, just different shit that's not death metal. So When it comes to writing, what techniques do you enjoy experimenting the most with? Playing around with arpeggios? using different scales, palm muting or avoiding palm muting or anything else? Yeah, I mean, it's always different, man. I mean, it's just, it's more of like what happens while I'm trying to come up with an idea, you know, it's not really, I don't really try, I don't really like sit down and say, okay, for this song, I'm going to use uh, this arpeggio. It's kind of just like what naturally flows out when I, you know, especially for solos, you know, when I'm writing solos, it's kind of just like what naturally comes out. Uh, I always try to experiment with different things and not repeat myself, although that's, like, really hard. Um, but, yeah, different scales, uh, different arpeggios, and, you know, different, like, like I don't know, different um, phrasing for the arpeggios and, you know, scales and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm always, you know, um, I'm always trying to change things up to not sound too similar, but that's very hard, you know. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, I feel like I stick with certain scales, and that's kind of, became my style i guess and sound so but yeah it's very it's very hard but yeah i'm, I'm always experimenting with different things you know um, you know different try to incorporate different ideas new ideas different arpeggios different scales uh different pickings like hybrid picking uh you know just um instead of just like all the time uh tremolo up and down picking you know um i always try to just mess around with different things Elusive Divinity kicks off the album in an especially strong fashion. Tell me how old this song is and its origin. So when the, 
when when I started writing this record, um, I started writing it during the touring cycle of Devour Mortality. We were touring all, all the time. So, you know, when I was home, every time, because most of the time I'm home, I'm usually just with my kids and family. So um, when I did have free time, I would try to sit down and write stuff. I, tr- I attempted to try to write stuff with the last lineup, but things weren't working out. And, you know, it was more of just me doing everything. So the first three or four songs of the record, you know, were written in the last, I don't know, year or so. And then once, you know, Mike came back into the, into the band, we finished the rest of the record with, within a matter of, I don't know, two months or something, six weeks. So it looks to Divinity being part of the second half of the record that me and Mike wrote together. Um, that, so- that song was a fairly new song. We, we wrote that song probably like in the beginning of this year, you know, and, um, and yeah, it was just something that kind of like with the rest of the songs that me and him wrote, kinda, they kind of just came out, you know, pretty fast. Uh, me and him haven't written music together since the demo days back in 2010, 2011. Surprising to, you know, to, to be able to write music together so, you know, so fast. And like, it almost seemed like we never stopped writing together. So, so yeah, that was one of the, the more newer songs that we, we finished. Yeah, that was written actually pretty, fairly quick. But yeah, sometime in the beginning of the year, it's not a song that's been written. Like, we usually never uh, write songs and bring them back a couple years later. That never really happens. If a song, if we write a song and we don't like it, we just toss it. We don't go back to it and try to take riffs from it or anything like that. It's always just either it's a good song or it's not. You know, if it's not a good song, we toss it and we write a new, whole new track. Yeah. Can you tell me how? Dissectacy came to be, and what type of songwriting techniques you used for it? I don't know. Uh, that's I never really got and asked like what kind of techniques I used to write the song. Like it kind of just comes naturally, man. Like I don't know when I'm writing a riff, I sit down and write a riff, and you know I exchange it with you know Mike and be like, hey, what do you think about this riff, or vice versa. He writes a riff and he exchanges it with me, and we tell him we we go back and forth. Like if it's cool, then we agree on it. If now we go back and forth and try to change something with it or just completely scratch it and write something completely different. So that's kind of the process of how how we write music. There's not really, like, I don't think, any special techniques or anything we use. We kind of just write a riff, show each show it to each other, and if we, we're okay with it, we keep it and continue from there. If not, we, you know, we, we, uh, we move things around with the riff and try to make it to where we're happy. And then, you know, keep going like that until we have a complete song but that song was just uh that actually dissexy was a song that i wrote before mike came in so that song i had had been written you know during the whole uh the whole touring cycle of Devour mortality like i mentioned earlier when i was home and uh when i was able to write stuff but uh most of that stuff i was writing i was just writing at home to a drum machine on my computer so um you know i'd come up with a riff and then I think of a drum beat that I thought would be good for that riff, and then I write the um, the riff out on my computer with like me like through MIDI, and then I put the, I record the riff on top of it, and that's how I wrote you know the first three or four. That's how we wrote the whole record because we didn't have a drummer, um, you know, uh, um, we didn't have a full time drummer, so we wrote we wrote all the record to a drum machine, and then once we were done writing it, we sent all the tracks to Charlie, who played drums on the record, and he learned all the song, and then he all the songs and he flew down to LA, you know, a couple of weeks before we were supposed to hit the studio, rehearsed everything, got it as tight as possible. And then we went into record. I think unfurling the casket was my favorite non-single of the album. Can you tell me about that track? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, that track was also a track that I wrote. Um, that so the first the tracks that I wrote were unfurling dissectacy, uh, congregation of flesh, and tombs of chaos, which used to be a completely different song. Um, but we completely changed the riffs and, you know, reworked that song once Mike came in and it became something completely different. So that was, that used to be a uh, completely different song, but we reworked everything and, you know, made it better. But yeah, that song, uh, Unfurling was actually, so the, I always had that, you know, I had that idea of the intro that's kind of like, you know, a human era style death intro that I had written like a long time ago and, and that's kind of what how the song started, and then um, you know from there the rest of the riffs came, and then um, that was the song. And then once you know once the rec once we finished the whole record, I had I've always wanted to do this idea of like a, a very cool intro, kind of blackened, kind of carcass, you know, like 1985 style intro. And I, that's how I came up with the idea for that intro of uh, unfurling. But yeah. I, it was just kind of, like I said, man, most of the music kind of just came out naturally. I mean, there's not really like any techniques or certain techniques I use. They just come out. Now, um, were you able to play any of these songs live yet or do any webcast concerts or anything? Yeah, we did. We So we did a lot, some like a live recording uh, a few weeks ago that we probably will release maybe this week or the following week um, after the record drops. And I think we did, uh, it was, it's not like a whole full set. I think it's like four songs or three songs that we'll be releasing. And um, the majority of them are the new, newer tracks from the new album. Now, do you know any awesome new radio shows or zines to check out? Mm, to be honest, nah, I haven't really, I've been so focused with this record and, and um, you know, listening to all the mixings and stuff like that and, and you know, packing pre-orders this last fucking week we've been packing like thousands like a thousand orders to ship out so yeah we've been completely busy with that stuff i haven't really got hadn't had a chance to check out any stuff like that radio shows or zines but but um but yeah i'm, I'm mostly listening to you know just albums and checking out new bands when i get a chance you want to give out any shout outs to any friends of yours and bands that recently uh, released any new music yeah, uh, the new the new Necrot record rules. I've been listening to that. Um, what else have I been listening to? Um, Friends, the new Warbringer record that was released. I think it was earlier this year. Was it earlier this year or last? I, I can't even. No, remember. no, it was this year. Um, but yeah, this year. So that new record is fucking great too. I've, um, I spin that a couple of times. Good friends of ours and newer newer stuff that I've been listening to. Um, not not necessarily Friends, but. You know, newer bands that I've, you know, that I've been listening to recently is like, uh, I've been listening to that new Hall House record. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. They're like, uh, I think they're from Scandinavia. That new record, uh, I think it's called Calandra or something like that. It's like a green cover. I've been listening to that nonstop. That's really cool. It's more like, uh, uh, it's not really like death metal, you know. It's more like, I think they call it adventure rock or something like that. But it's really cool. Very 80 sounding. Uh, with some synths and stuff like that. It's really, really, really cool. But uh, besides that, let's see. What else have I been listening to? I can't think of anything at the moment. I'm sure if I look at my Spotify, uh, I can, I can, you know, pull up everything I've been listening to in the past, you know, a couple months. But that's all I can think of at the moment. Now, what is your most cherished musical possession? It could be gear, an autographed album, 
something like that? I'm not sure. I have a really killer first press you know, power metal, Pantera's power metal, um, that I picked up in Japan back in I don't know when when I went when I was out there with FBF. Um, I picked up a fucking uh, first pressing of you know Pantera's power metal. That that's a really that's something that you know I try to take care of. Um, but, but like instruments, I uh, I was uh, I mean I, I my my favorite guitar is the Jason Becker Carbon, um, but I don't tend to use it live anymore. Um, I was going to use it on this record for, you know, for solos, but it's kind of hard with the drop tuning and it has the shortest, you know, shorter, uh, uh, what do you call it, shorter scale neck or whatever. So um, it doesn't really work out for, too well for the whole drop tuning that we use with Skeletor Remains, but that's one of, like, my, uh, you know, my favorite guitars. And I think, you know, like, I try my best to take care of it. I was touring with it for a bit with FBF, and I kind of regret that because it kind of got some, you know, some road damage, but whatever it is, what it is. But, um, yeah, I kind of just like keep that at home and don't really take it out anymore, but that's like one of my favorite guitars. But, um, yeah, besides that, I don't know, man. That's, I, I can't really think of anything at the moment. Final words. Yeah. Um, thank you, man. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time, you know, to call. And then thanks to anyone that's, you know, listening and pick up our new album and hopefully we'll see you guys, you know, on the road. Sooner than later, once this whole pandemic shit's over. And, and yeah, thanks again, man. This has been an interview on September 7th, 2020, with Skeletal Remains singer and guitarist Chris Monroy by Nick Perkel.